I left off on Friday, and uh, we're going to talk about the Lordship of Jesus Christ within the context of the power of the spoken word and within the context of our authority. I'd encourage you to get the teachings, to listen to the teachings. Those of you who are serious about walking in the authority that our Lord has granted to us because of what he's done for us through the cross. So we're talking about the Lordship of Jesus Christ, Job chapter 22, verse 28. You will also declare a thing and it will be established for you, so light will shine on your ways. Let's pray. Why don't we stand and let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Lift your hands to the Lord right now as you're standing and just ask him to speak to you. Just ask him to speak to you. Open your mouth and pray. Those of you online, I want to encourage you to pray. Ask the Lord to speak to you where you are through his word. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word and the authority of your word. We thank you for how you are changing us as a church. And we pray, Lord, that you will do your work in us. And even today, as we remember the resurrection of our Lord, that, Father, you will cause us to grow from one degree of glory to another. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. So this scripture is quite emphatic. Eliphaz is talking. Actually, no, not Eliphaz. This is, um, yeah, it is Eliphaz. He's talking to Job, and he's telling Job some things. And then he makes this statement, which you can, it's a generic statement, of course, because of what we've already been learning about words he says you will also declare a thing and it will be established for you so light will shine on your ways all the things that we've been learning so far uh, i don't really want to go over because of time but the question that i want to ask and certainly it's a question that my son asked me the other day is how do we get from where we are right now, wherever you are right now in your journey of faith, wherever you are right now as a child of God, since you gave your life to Christ, help with the children please and the noise, guys. How do we get where we are to where we are able to decree something and it is established? Where we will decree things in line with God's will concerning our lives and concerning the lives of others and because we said it, it will happen. How do we get there? In fact, um, uh, how do we get to a place where because of what Jesus has done for us, we are able to do not just the works of the Lord, but the greater works that he has done. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 14. just want to turn to this quickly. And I want you to see this verse of scripture which is so powerful. And these are the words of our Lord Jesus and there are many, many, um, many that have said different things about this verse. But I just want to read it out to you within what Jesus says, within the context. John 14 verses 12 to 14. And the Lord says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do. So he's literally talking about individuals. 
He says, listen, truly I say to you, that whoever believes in me, whoever puts their trust in me, whoever completely relies upon me, the works that I do, talking about the miraculous, the power works, the, the works of virtue and grace and the power of God that he exhibited, he said, those who believe in him will do those works and greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. What does that mean? What does that mean to ask in the name of Jesus? It is not simply to say in the name of Jesus, A, B, C. It includes that, but it is not simply that. It is literally to speak in the place of Jesus. So, it's as if Jesus himself was standing there and saying what you and I were saying when we say in the name of Jesus. So the question is, how do we get to that place of reality from wherever we are right now? And that's what I want to treat specifically today. Now a few things that are worth pointing out. Because of what the Lord has done for us through the cross, the scripture says in Ephesians 1 verse 3, and I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. He says, All praise to God the Father, who, all praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Not that he will bless us, but he has blessed us because we are united with Christ with every spiritual blessing. Say, I am blessed with every spiritual blessing. Say, I am blessed with every spiritual blessing. Now, this is the reality for every child of God. Not that you are going to be blessed. You are already blessed. What does that mean to be blessed? It means you have been empowered to prosper. Or you have been empowered. Now, when you say prosper, we're not talking simply money. But you've, you've been empowered to prosper in every aspect of the will of God concerning your life. So he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Why? Because we are united with Christ. By virtue of our positioning in Christ, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Let's look at it again in a different way. 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 2 to 4. We're talking about how we get to a place where when we decree a thing, it's established. How we get, and I'm talking to myself because this is my motivation. This is what I want to come to. I'm not there yet. Say to your neighbor, I'm not where I used to be. And I'm not where I want to be. But I'm better than where I was before. Amen. <laughs> right, Second Peter 1 verses 2 to 4. New Living Translation again. I've given it out in the notes as such. It says, may God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Now, this is an emphatic statement. Beloved, when you come into Christ, it's important that you understand every day that you are in Christ, you have the potential for more grace and increased peace. In other words, increased harmony and tranquility in the will of God concerning your life. This is our portion. Every day, I found when I first got saved, it was very hard to live a holy life. When I first got saved. 
But I find that living a holy life now is not really an issue within the grace of God for me. I'm not really dealing with issues that I used to deal with 5, 10, 15 years ago. It's a lot easier to do the will of God now than it's ever been in my life. That's my testimony. Now, in my younger days, I didn't think that was literally possible. But the reality is, as you grow in your faith, God supplies you more grace. Say, more grace. As you grow in your faith, God will supply you more grace. You know, at times people say something like this. They'll say this, you know, I will do this by the grace of God. And what they are saying is, is this. I don't really want to do this thing, but if God forces me to do it, then I will call that grace. You know, so we use that statement by the grace of God as a cop out, as if God in heaven is kind of holding back the grace and, you know, just really holding it back. And then if you finally qualify, then he'll give you grace. No, that's no New Testament. It says, may God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. So the key is growing in the knowledge of God and in the knowledge of Jesus our Lord. Jesus as Lord, literally. Look at verse 3. By his divine power, by God's divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Now again, I mean, I've walked with him for a while. 36 years is a while. So, at times I hear the stories because I know the journey. I know how difficult it gets. I know how hard it gets when you're under pressure, when you're being tempted, when you are in bondage. I know what it's like to be in bondage, waking up with a propensity to sin after I've given my life to Christ. I know what that is like. I know how it is when you are in bondage. It feels like you can never be free. It feels like people don't understand what you're going through. And every time you are battling with a sense of guilt and shame because you know the standard, but it looks like you will never get there. I've got good news for you. This is Resurrection Sunday. I'm telling you that there is power and there is grace that God has given to you. And don't give up because as you continue to persevere, you will see transformation in your life. Can you say amen? So by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Not he will give. He has given he has given. It's just that you don't know how to use it. That's the reality. Now, you could be in church for a hundred years and not know how to use the simple ABCs of the kingdom. It, that's, the, that's the truth. It's not God is going to give you. He has already given you the tools that you need. He says, we've received all of this by coming to know him, God the Father and our Lord Jesus, who, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Beloved, being saved is not a trivial thing. It's not simply lifting your hands in church and saying, I want to give my life to Christ. Being saved, it's a supernatural work. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's a work that demands the power of God. That's why as a church, we are committed to praying consistently, um, intentionally to see people saved. Because we need the power of God to be activated on behalf of those who do not know the Lord, in order for them to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Verse 4, and because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. Listen, the promises in God's word are not airy-fairy. They are so powerful. 
they are amazing. I mean, the other day, uh, you know, my son's back from uni, you know, holiday, and I'm just really, you know, you know, I can't believe I have an 18-year-old son. It's amazing. Hallelujah. I remember when I was 18. And we're talking, talking, talking. And uh, he was asking me questions. I'm sorry, Dan, if it's embarrassing, you forgive me. Uh, no, well, you, don't have, you have to forgive me. So, um, so we, were, we were talking, talking, and he was asking me these questions. And then it's like the light bulb went on. And he, he said something like, but then that means most people are not even real Christians. I said, you got it. You're getting it. You see, the promises are precious and they are amazing. It's just that we don't realize how amazing it is. And I was saying to him, listen, in, in, in God's word, there's so much. Like if you, if you, for instance, if you want a happy marriage and you understand what God says about how to have a happy marriage and you do it, you will have a happy marriage. If you, can you say Amen. If you, if, if, you, if you want wealth, those of you who are into money, how many of you are into money? Uh, those of you, hey, you're into money. You know, God's word has certain protocols and principles concerning wealth. And if that's the thing that you're after, if you observe it, and that's why you can have scallywags who observe the protocols and become rich. If you want to live godly, if you want to live holy, if you're pursuing holiness, godliness, righteousness, discipleship, the boring stuff, if that's what you want, and you pursue it, and you pursue it, and you pursue it, over time, you'll be transformed. If you want to live in victory, you want to live in victory, continuous victory, where you're no longer depressed like you used to be, where you're no longer being beaten up by what comes your way, there is a way to live in victory because the word of God shows us how. Can you say amen? There are probably infinite amount of promises in the word of God. And they are all precious. They are all valuable. They are all powerful. But if you don't access it, if you don't use it, if you don't learn to grow in it, then a hundred years later, you wouldn't have changed. In fact, you would have gone backwards. Look at it. So, because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. The promises of God is what empowers you to escape all the powers of darkness and the filth that the enemy will release against you. It's what empowers us, but you have to do what? Place value on it and invest your life in it in order to see the outcome you desire. So, our Lord Jesus purchased for us these tremendous promises through his victory over sin, over Satan, and over death on the cross. We looked at that on Friday. And that took place nearly 2,000 years ago. Not quite 2,000 yet. Nearly 2,000 years ago. And that lordship of Jesus demonstrated through his victory on the cross is what enables us to enter into the kind of reality that God wants for every one of his children. It's the fact that Jesus is Lord. It's not the fact that he's a savior. It's the fact that he's Lord because he demonstrated his lordship. What does that mean? His mastery. The fact that he's the master. He's the boss over Satan over sin, over death, over every force and power that exists in reality, Jesus has become the Lord of it all, the boss of it all. They can no longer trouble him. 
Even, even Hades, even not Hades, the lake of fire, which Satan is afraid of, he can literally walk in the middle of it and not be burned. And by the way, when you receive your glorified body, that's why you won't be afraid of the second death, which is the lake of fire. You could walk into it and it won't, it, you won't be singed because you will have the body like what he has right now. It's amazing. Hallelujah. So it is his lordship that enables us to enter into the new reality that we receive when we come into Christ. Now, we're talking about the lordship of Christ. And... Um, it is so important that you understand this point. Many Christians are very happy to receive Jesus as Savior. Save me, Lord. Save me from my sins. Save me from my problems. Save me from financial troubles. Save me from a bad marriage. Save me from a bad husband. <laughs> but few people are willing to receive him as Lord. But you know something? Go and study the scriptures and you discover it's not receiving Jesus as Savior that transforms you. It is receiving him as Lord. Can you say amen? amen. Now, Romans chapter 10, I'm jumping way ahead of my notes because of time. And we'll go back to where I really want to dwell if we have time. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 looks, says this. That if you confess with your mouth, what? The Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So you confess his lordship and believe in your heart that he's alive. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Acknowledging Jesus as Lord is always expressed in the following ways, three ways. One. When we surrendered our lives to Christ, or when we surrender our lives to Christ through repentance, it began when we got born again, we surrendered our lives to Christ by a change of attitude and a change of direction. What, that's what it means to repent. When we surrendered our lives to Christ, we changed our attitude towards God and about life, and we changed the way we live our lives. That is how we acknowledge the fact that Jesus is Lord. But secondly, we acknowledge his lordship when we learn to submit our will to him in the moment of temptation. When we surrender our will to him in the moment when we are being tempted. How many of you have been tempted recently? You know, I even get tempted in my dreams. Yeah, at times in your dreams you are tempted. And uh, it's interesting, in my younger days, Anytime I got tempted in my dreams, I always succumbed. Yeah, bam, I succumbed. And then as I grew, up, as I grew older in the Lord, I'll get tempted in, in my dream, and I would decide, no, I don't want to do this. That's, that's a good thing. Hallelujah. How many of you are winning in your dreams? I decree you're winning in your dreams in Jesus' name. And then the third thing is how we, how we acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus is when we make lifestyle choices to please him through our pursuit of holiness. So for instance, as a younger person, when I had certain things I was vulnerable to, I knew I was vulnerable to them, so what I would do is, I would, I would make choices that made it difficult for me to have access to it. So at that time, I was living with my brother who was not saved. He wasn't saved at all. He's now saved, he loves Jesus, he's hungry for God and all that stuff, but he wasn't saved at all. 
And my brother, like a normal male-blooded, red-blooded male, had all these materials that excited the, <laughs> the testosterones of the male gene. Now he was, so he had all these materials. And I had a vulnerability to these materials. And, I, and you see, there's, amazing, there's something very amazing about sin. When you want to sin, you find ingenious ways of accessing what's hidden. So he would hide some of it. He never knew this. He's now going to his room as a born-again, tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-filled believer. <laughs> and I will sense where they are and access them and then put them back exactly how it was. What wisdom. <laughs> so I realized, you know what, this is not going to change as long as I live in this house. Listen, there's no point kidding us ourselves. I might stop for three months, but there will come a moment of weakness and I will access again. So you know what I did? I said to my brother one day, you know what, this flat is ours, but have the flat. Have it all. I relinquish my name to the flat. He's like, sure. wow, Christmas has come, suddenly. So you have the flat. He didn't know why. He thought, oh, it's because Joe, you know, he does. I said, keep the flat. I want nothing to do with the flat. I am out of here. And I went to rent a small room somewhere. Why? Because I was possessing my soul. I was making a lifestyle choice that made it impossible for me to access his materials. It's as simple as that. That is how you acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus. Not by standing up in church and saying, Jesus is Lord. I'm free from this. And then go back home and access. Now, I know it's a bit more challenging with this kind of thing today. But there are ways. Hallelujah. Let us be able to access your history from time to time. <laughs> that will help you. You know? You know, sometimes my daughter likes to look at my computer, my, my stuff. And I'm sure she has investigated to see whether there's anything funny. But thank God, there's nothing to find. What's my point? If you want to acknowledge Jesus as Lord, you have to make choices. That means you are seeking to walk in holiness. Sometimes it will mean certain friendships, certain relationships, they end. Painful as they are. Because you know what happens every time you're together. Hallelujah. Now, continuously submitting to the Lordship of Jesus is the most important step in living continuous victory after you get born again. It's the most important step. It's more important than prayer. It's more important than fasting. It's more important than reading the Bible. It's more important definitely than coming to church. It's, it's, it's the most important step that you can make as a child of God. And when it comes to exercising your authority, it is the most important step. Look at James chapter 4, verses 6 to 7. James 4, 6 to 7. He says, but he, talking about God the Father, gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Look at the order. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 
if you want to exercise kingdom authority, if you want to exercise authority over the devil and all his forces, the first point of call is to submit yourself to God. Say to your neighbor, submit yourself to God. In fact, you see, he says submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Now, many Christians are trying to resist the devil without submitting first to God. So you have unforgiveness in your heart, and you're trying to cast a demon out of your life. It's not going to help you. There are issues in your life, your attitude towards God is wrong, and you want to be free from torment, you're not gonna be, it's not going to help you. You, le- you learn to first submit to God. Now notice the promise of victory over, notice that the promise of victory is over the devil, not demons. Submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Now this is an important point because it implies that every spiritual force under Satan's authority, including Satan himself, becomes terrified of the believer who learns to submit their lives to God. The believer who lives in submission to God is a terror to the devil himself. There is no greater principality than the devil. There is no greater power. There is no greater force. You see, at times people talk about hierarchy in the kingdoms of darkness, and there is a hierarchy, and different principalities, and how powerful and how strong they are, and they are powerful and they are strong. But beloved, above all of them is Satan himself, and he is the God of this world. But the reality is, even if Satan himself comes to you, and you as a child of God have learned to submit yourself to God, he, he will be terrified. In fact, says, he will flee. That word flee means he will literally escape. He will run. One version points out like this. He will run away terrified. Yeah. Why? Because when you submit yourself to God, you know what's happening? You become exactly like Jesus. That's what you're doing. You, the name of Jesus or the nature of Jesus is what you have activated. So when you submit yourself to God in whatever context, you are now dead. And Jesus is now alive. The Christ in you is now alive. It's exhibited. You know, Christ is in many of us and most of us, if not all of us, but we keep hiding him with ourselves. We keep covering him with ourselves. But when you learn to submit yourself to God, then what happens? The Christ in you comes alive. And this is how we begin to operate the way he operates. His words must become our speech if we want our words to come to pass whenever we declare them. Colossians 3, 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I'm trying to get my family during our prayer times to sing, and uh, we will break that thing in Jesus' name. They always laugh when I start singing. They say, they say, they say, they say, say, that's what it is. And they start laughing. 
from the top to the bottom. They all laugh. <laughs> Look, this is Bible, beloved. This is Bible, scripture. And it says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, the point I want to make is this. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Become familiar with the words of Christ. And let those words be what you use to teach and correct each other. Let that be what you use in your singing, in your songs, in your lyrics. Let your lyrics be laced with the words of Christ. It doesn't mean you quote necessarily Bible passages, but you speak. It's like the New Living Translation, for instance. It doesn't mean you quote like Old King James Version, the words of Christ. You, you, you quote it in a manner that the hearer can hear it, and uh, they will appreciate it. Like that song that was being sung. Isn't that amazing? A billion, uh, was it a, a thousand billion? Was it one billion billion? What, what is it? Was that that? 100 billion, 100 billion. I was listening, 100 billion. It's very good. The lyrics are amazing. They're laced with the words of Christ. Powerful, amen. Anyway, so whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So when the words of Christ are in your heart, it affects how you behave. It affects what you do with your life. And since our words are expressions of our thoughts, when our hearts are yielded to God, he becomes committed to our thoughts. And this is the point. If Jesus is Lord, then you begin to allow his words to govern your heart. And when his words govern your heart, then the words that come out of your mouth are now influenced by the words governing your heart. Remember what we said last week? Out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. And it is from that posture, as we're going to see, where we decree things and they're established. But before we go, the look at Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Beloved, too many Christians want God to bring things to pass without them first delighting themselves in the Lord. Too many Christians want God to bring things to pass, and they refuse to commit their ways to him. They do things in some funny way and then at the end of it, slap in the name of Jesus and expect God to sanction it. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. God is not committed to your feelings. Listen, he is not even committed to your tears. He is committed to your word. He may sympathize with your feelings. He may sympathize with your tears, but he will only act in accordance with his word. And so if you want a good outcome, find out what God says should be done and then follow it through and you'll see the outcome you desire. He says, delight yourself in the Lord. That word delight in, in the Hebrew literally means to be soft or pliable. In other words, when we delight ourselves in the Lord, we become surrendered to his will. We bend we allow ourselves to be, we bend ourselves and we allow ourselves to be molded into what he desires. To bend yourself sometimes is hard. It's hard. At times in my struggles, I'll, be, I'll say, Lord, help me your servant. This is how I say it. This is Joseph's language. Don't have to say, Lord, help your servant. I can't even say, help me. I have to add some, you know, something to it. This is me and God. You know, 
Lord, help you help die seven. Sometimes I say, die. I'm not praying to you. What's your problem? I use whatever language I like. I say, help die seven. Oh God. Yeah, I do God, not God, because in the American slang helps me to align myself. What are you talking about? I'm telling you, this is how sometimes I say, behold thy servant. I don't say, look at me. That's what I say. I say, behold thy servant. Yeah, I don't care. It works. Hallelujah. Yeah, what works for you is what you should do. Yeah, I say, behold thy servant. I'm struggling, Dad, I'm burning, I'm burning. Help. Sometimes I'll, be say, I'll say to him, we both know what's happening right now. Yeah. I'll say, look, look what's happening right now. Sometimes I'm praying, like when I go prayer walking, I'm praying. You've heard me say this many times. I'm praying, oh God, oh God, oh Lord, and then somebody will walk past, and the body begins to respond. And I say, look, Look at what's happening. Look at what's happening right now. This is incredible. I say this, I tell you, this is amazing. Lord, this is amazing. Look at what's happening right now. Help thy servant. Then we carry on binding the devil. Amen. So our our thoughts, our thoughts embrace his will through daily, intentionally consecrating ourselves to him. You know, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, examine yourself as to whether you're in the faith. Examine yourself as to whether you're in the faith. Test yourself. So I like to look at myself, scrutinize myself in light of scripture. And at times I see things that are not nice. I see my arrogance. I see my pride. I see my selfishness. Have you seen that before in you? And what do you do about it? Do you say, this is me? Or do you say, I refuse this in Jesus' name? Now, look at the scripture again. Job 22, 20, look at, um, 22, 28 says, you, shall, you will also declare a thing and it will be established to you. So light will shine on your ways. But what most people don't realize is what's before that. Verse 23. Verse 23. If you return to the Almighty, you will be built up. You will remove iniquity far from your tents. And it's from that that he begins to say, what then happens to you? And one of the things that happens is you decree a thing and you declare a thing and it's established. But it's from a place of returning back to God. It's from a place of submission and surrender to God the Father. It's from a place where you have gone taken um, from your life the things in your life that are a hindrance to his lordship in your life. Beloved, God is not committed to establishing our thoughts regardless. Like I said earlier, he's only committed to fulfilling his word. Jeremiah 1, 11 and 12. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. Now the point from this, that I don't want to go into the prophecy, but the point of this statement is this. God is only committed to performing his word. His word. Beloved, you want to walk in your authority. You want your words to come to pass. Train yourself to speak from a place of submission to the Lord. Learn to be able to identify areas in your life where you are not submitted. Don't lie about it. 
He said, Dad, we both know I, I don't want to do your will. You know, I read the scripture, I delight to do thy will, oh my God, most of the time except in this area. So help me. I definitely don't want to go to hell over this thing, but I really do want to enjoy it still. Just be honest. In my journey, many times, in the midst of sinning, I'll say, Dad, look at your servant. Look at me. I'm about to sin right now. Yeah, I tell him, what, what, why not? Let's talk. We both know what I'm about to do. I'm about to sin right now. He said, hey, you said that to God? What, you think he didn't know? I said, I said, Lord, I'm about to sin. When I go home, I'm going to sin. So, you say, what's the sin? Mind your own business. So, I say, please, I don't want to have some accident. I don't want some bad thing to happen. And I don't want you to tell anyone in the church. I used to tell God, I don't, I don't want anybody knowing what I've done, what I'm going to do. Hallelujah. And then, and then I say, help me. Now when you add the help me, then it begins to orchestrate things. I remember one day I decided, this is it. I've had enough. I'm, an, I'm, 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 a, I'm still a virgin. This is nonsense. I've been, I'm in, I'm in my 20s. I'm still a virgin. Nonsense. Nonsense. Today I'm going to go and sin. I'm going to go and sin. So I made up my mind. I knew some place where I could get action. It was after work. I was working. So I was on the bus and I decided this, I'm going to make a, I'm going to go to that lane. And I said, Lord, I kind of said, Lord. And once I made the decision and as I was about to walk ahead, praise the Lord, Brother Joseph. <laughs> That's how we spoke. You know, sometimes the old, old, old ways is very good. Not just, uh, Joe, you're right. It's praise the Lord, Brother Joseph. In the bus where people could hear the thing. Praise the Lord, Brother Joseph. Uh, uh, yeah, pr pr praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah, so what you, why, how are you doing? What's happening? Uh, I'm fine. How, how are you doing? <laughs> Clear off. <laughs> I'm fine. Uh, so where, where are you going? <laughs> oh, no, you're in business. Where I'm going? What's all this? An interrogation. He's greeting me and now you're interrogating me. What's all this nonsense? Uh, no, I'm going home. I'm going home. I'm going home. And that killed the thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I killed it. But you see, but you see, let me add something here. When I was strong, and when I was strong in my younger days and even now, I used to pray some investment prayers investments what's an investment prayer where we pray to anticipate bad things bad decisions so I'll say to God Lord whatever happens don't let me fornicate well fornication is just simply having sex when you're not married that's in, old, in our old English today is normal in church church people they do it it's normal having sex without being married for some people it's normal so when you say fornication they think you mean killing people no it's, 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 it's having sex before you're married so I used to pray Lord don't let me fornicate if I am going to fornicate let me die before it happens I, I would advise you, don't be praying that if you're used to fornicating. You know. <laughs> don't be praying that. Every man must know their level. 
<laughs> Look, you can say, hey, really? I'll be praying now. <laughs> We're going to stop. <laughs> I want to encourage you this Easter Sunday, the Lordship of Jesus is the most important criteria for you to walk in the victory and for your words to come to pass the way God wants them to. Let's pray. Bow your heads, close your eyes. I want to pray first of all for those of us who have been, I know we prayed into earlier on, but those of us who are saying we are just rededicating ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus. It's not for everybody, but for those of us here who we've really been struggling to make him Lord. And we're saying we're, we're making him Lord. We're rededicating. And this is a daily thing, by the way, beloved. So if you're saying, Lord, I want to acknowledge you as the Lord again because of whatever. I'm not, this is not for everybody, but for what's been going on. And you know that you haven't been. And you're saying that you, are, you want to do that in an area or in areas of your life. Stand where you are quickly. I want to pray before I hand back to Angela. Thank you, Lord. And as you stand, raise your hands to him in surrender. And in that area that you are acknowledging his lordship, just tell him, Lord, in this area of my life, I acknowledge you as Lord. Whether it's your whole life or whether it's a specific area, just tell him, Lord, in this area of my life, I acknowledge you as Lord. Thank you, Holy Father. Thank you for these precious ones that are standing in the area that they are standing right now. Lord, I ask for grace that you freely give them to be effective in their hearts at this time. I speak grace over you. I speak strength into you. May you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus so that he is Lord in the area you're standing in. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated, Angela.